Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, every year on this second Sunday of Easter, the Church asks us to read the same passage from the Gospel of John. One of the great accounts of the appearance of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples. So I think the church is telling us, pay very close attention to this account. In some ways, everything here is on display that you need to know about Jesus risen from the dead. In reading John's gospel, we always have to be attentive to the fact that John speaks in an elaborate symbolic code. It's a densely textured literary uh, artifact, John's Gospel. Listen now to how this passage opens. On the evening of that first day of the week, a code, the first day of the week, the first day, it calls to mind the first day of creation. The Spirit of God hovers over the surface of the chaotic waters and God speaks let there be light and with that creation commences with that order comes forth from the chaos I think Saint John is telling us now keep this in mind when you read this passage about Jesus risen from the dead because resurrection day is recreation day. The resurrection is the emergence of God's redeeming and saving light in the midst of the darkness of sin. Listen now to how John goes on. Even though the disciples had locked the doors of the place where they were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood before them. In the beginning, there was darkness and there was chaos. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and creation began. This story commences in a dark place and a dark time. The disciples had followed Jesus to Jerusalem, hopeful that he would there be established as king of Israel, hopeful that there his ministry would come to sort of a climax, and instead... He's betrayed, abandoned, tortured, crucified, and put to death. They're petrified that they're next. Those who came for Jesus will come for them. And so they cower in fear in that upper room. Obviously, deeply saddened at the death of Jesus, shocked, dismayed by it, but also fearful for their lives. And so they huddle together behind closed and locked doors, probably closed and locked windows, cowering in fear. Dark place and a dark time. Like the waters of chaos at the beginning of time, 
Imagine the chaos within them, the chaos spiritually in their souls and hearts. And then it says, Jesus came into their midst, despite the locked doors, despite the closed windows, and despite their fear. Let there be light, and there was light. Jesus came and stood in their midst. What did he represent? The light of the new creation. Listen, that breaks right through all the obstacles we would set for it, that comes despite all of the chaos that we feel inside. Jesus comes and he stands in their midst. The light, the new creative power. What did he say? Shalom. Peace be with you. That wonderful word, that wonderful phrase in English that's found its way into the church's liturgy and prayer. Peace be with you. Shalom. Shalom for an ancient Jew meant flourishing at all levels. Peace of heart, yes. Peace of mind, but also peace of of body, political peace, social and cultural peace. It meant flourishing at all levels. Jesus comes in their midst, in their fear, in their chaos, and he says to them, peace. This is what God wants for us, his people. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus came to do and to accomplish. He came into our fears. He came into our sickness. He came into our division. He came into our hatred, into our violence, into our sin. And he brought to all those dark places God's peace. What's the darkest place he came into? Death itself. What frightens us the most. What besets us. What causes the greatest chaos. Death and the fear of death. Jesus came right into them. As I've often said, fighting them like a warrior. Bringing the divine compassion, love, light, even to that darkest place, so that now, risen from the dead, he appears before his disciples, and he can say with the fullest power, peace be with you. I have come through death, I have conquered death, and therefore you do not have to be afraid. Think for a second, friends, that the disciples cowering in fear in that upper room, that's all of us cowed by the fear of death. All of us, look, locked into ourselves because of our fear. Jesus, this recreative power of God, comes right into that place, comes through it, and now on the far side of death can offer definitive peace. This is the good news. This is the good news of Christianity, the good news of Easter. Listen now what John says next. At the sight of the Lord, the disciples rejoiced. Joy is the mark of the Christian. And this is why. 
We were in darkness and the light dawned. We were in fear and peace came and stood right in our midst. That which frightens us the most has been conquered by Christ's resurrection. Therefore, the only proper response, the only proper reaction is joy. Nothing can separate us now from the love of God. Nothing can finally frighten us. And therefore, joy is the right response. It's been said, you know, that joy is the mark of the Holy Spirit. How do you know the Holy Spirit's in you? Joy. That's the flag that tells others that person has the Holy Spirit in him or in her. I've often told my students here, no joyless person will ever effectively evangelize. You won't proclaim the good news unless people can see in you this same joy that the disciples had. You know, if you're devout, you're upright, you're morally good, you're intense, you're devoted, all those are good things. But you will not evangelize effectively unless you are radiating joy. That's the mark of Easter. Then, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing Jesus does once he convinces them that he's alive, once he brings them the light, once they realize their joy? What's the first thing he does? He gets them out of that lousy upper room. <laughs> there they were, closed in, locked in, afraid, isolated, cut off from the world. Once they've been confronted by the risen Christ. They are sent out. What's the mark of somebody who's seen something beautiful? He wants to tell the world about it. What's the mark of someone who's really in joy? He wants to spread that joy. Jesus' first move, therefore, is to send his church. Send them out. Out you go. Not inside in your fear. Not locked in around yourself. But go out to the world and proclaim the evangelistic command is basic to Christianity. We can't keep this good news to ourselves. Does it mean danger? Sure. Look at the martyrs. Does it mean opposition? Sure. Look at the life of every saint. But who cares? This news we have is so good that we feel compelled by Christ to go out and spread it and speak it. There's a second great motif now in this gospel story. The motif of Thomas, the doubter. I think all of us, to one degree or another, can identify with Thomas. A lot of us feel this is a story about us. He's not there, of course, when Jesus first comes. The disciples tell him when he returns, we've seen the Lord. They're bubbling over with this joy I was just talking about. They evangelize. And Thomas doesn't believe. I'll never believe it without probing the nail prints in his hands, without putting my finger in the nail marks and my hand into his side. Here's a first reflection on this. Don't be discouraged, evangelists, when at first your work does not succeed. The first person 
who was evangelized by the disciples didn't believe them. Their first mission failed. And it's one of their own, and they're bubbling over. The Lord whom you know, we've seen him. He didn't believe them. Friends, skepticism was not born in the 17th century. Don't think for a second that first century people were naive and credulous, that they found this message of Jesus' resurrection easy to believe. It's, it's such a, a shocking and strange announcement. They found it hard to believe, too. Don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged if at first your evangelistic efforts aren't successful. Then, of course, as the story goes on, a week later, mind you, also on the first day of the week, day of recreation, Jesus again comes and stands before them. This time, Thomas is with them. And those wonderful, ironic lines from the Lord. Thomas, put your fingers in these nail marks. Put your hand in my side. Don't persist in your unbelief, but believe. And then Thomas, on his knees, makes the grandest confession of anyone in the gospel. He says, my Lord and my God. What was Thomas's problem? He wanted Jesus on his own terms. Unless I probe the nail prints, unless I verify with my own eyes, unless I get it on my terms, I won't believe it. You won't get Jesus as long as you're trying to grasp him on your own terms. You will get him when he manifests himself to you and you can accept in faith, which is why the Lord says to him, Thomas, you believe because you saw. How blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Blessed are those, in other words, who can receive my risen life as a grace on my terms and not your terms. Friends, we're in the upper room in fear, afraid, alone. The Lord comes in and breaks us out of that space and invites us into joyful resurrection faith. That's what this story's about. That's what this season's about. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Word on Fire is brought to you in part by Catholic Cemeteries. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago Cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.